Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, we've got so much, but we even have little admin things that I think are interesting. First of all, it is Share the Show Tuesday. I have something funny to tell you in regards to Share the Show Tuesday. Share the Show Tuesday also means that this is when we tell people about uh, meetups, especially higher side chats meetups. So if you know anyone in or near Nashville or Southern California, I have actually a real interesting meetup coming up uh, in the next couple of days. So listen to the end of the show. We'll talk about it then. It is also, I want to give a shout out to the matron saint. Do you know who the matron saint is? Your mom? Yes, my mom. And uh, Joe from Legit Back gave her that moniker after she gave us $25 for her membership. So I had to set up a special tier that gives you lifetime membership for $25 and she's the only one in it. Uh, but her lifetime seems to be going on and on because she is 93 today. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah, I know. So I had everybody call her and sing happy birthday to her, which she thought was funny. Okay. Like individually. Um, so, all right. So it is share the show Tuesday and one thing that we've been doing, so we've launched this locals channel, properport.locals.com, where it's highly social. And it also, you can get all the XRs there, DNB XR, XR interviews, stuff like that. And what I do every morning for anyone who signs up, you don't have to pay, but I blast to everybody a quote from this book. Speaking of my mother, my mother left me a box of books that she saved for me from my father's things after he died. And he died like 15 years ago. So I guess that, that box has been floating around. I only just got it. And this book is called The Free Man's Almanac. And every day I take a picture of the day. And so like today's the January 25th. And I think about it and make a comment on it and and send out this quote and other people also. It's real food for thought. This one, though, is hilarious. I put this in the hopper for later this week. And it is so pertinent to share the show Tuesday. And it's so funny because everything in this book, like it's like Tolstoy and um, Hayek and whatever. And this, I'll read the quote and then I'll tell you where it came from. Truth spreads by testimony. There is a sort of high compulsion which lofty spirits recognize to bear witness to the truth whenever found. That is how good standard merchandise gets worldwide distribution. A purchaser who has pleasure and satisfaction from the use of this brush spreads the news of his discovery to others whom he desires to enrich. If this brush pleases you, will you not tell about it to the most appreciative person you know? Seller's tag on a hand brush. So I would just like you to replace brush with show. <laughs> and if this show pleases you, will you not tell it to the most appreciative person you know? I just that was that on was a so seller's fun. tag on a hand brush. Is that what that yeah, is? Yeah, look at this book. You see, you can see this book. I take yeah. pictures of it for the locals. But it's, I mean, the the book was in my father's things and it, it has like scotch tape around it because it was falling apart because I guess he used it so much. And yeah, so all the quotes are like, you know, really famous economists because it's for libertarians. And then that is the tag on a seller's handbrush. I think that's funny. That's very interesting. What year was and, that book written? Um, I think the book was compiled uh, in 1974 at the, by the Foundation for Economic Education. And it was compiled by Leonard Reed, who is the famous author or the author of the famous book, I Pencil. 
But in actually at, in the post of this on, on properreport.locals.com, I tell a funny little story about my father and uh, what you might read on a tag here or there. So it's a good story, but I'm not going to go on and on. I have a tendency to go on and on. So like, why don't you go on? Take it away, Binkley. Well, the taming and normalization of this wild west of crypto continues as the Biden administration is set to release a government-wide strategy to reduce or to regulate cryptocurrencies as early as next month. Oh. It's believed to be an executive order. And according to an administrative administration official, the forthcoming National Security Council memorandum will order federal agencies to assess the risk and opportunities that crypto possesses, and it will dive into the details of a central bank digital currency They will also be reviewing the impact of digital assets on financial stability and the normalizing of regulations for crypto with other countries. And also, according to Yahoo News, this order is expected to include a little bit of extra emphasis on policing digital wallets and trading platforms as a way to ensure the what's called the know your customer rules are enforced. That's what they were talking about. KYC, that's what they were talking about in our last Zoom call. Yeah. Are we, I actually, are we putting that excerpt up maybe this week of that? Yeah, we can do that. We had that like first hour of audio that we were going to share with all patrons. I have all the links and everything those guys said set up in the patron post. Let's get that out this week. And what did I say yesterday? My only thing about crypto. What was the only thing I was worried about with crypto? I don't know, the government taking over it, taking control of it? Well, how they, because clearly there's going to be a digi-dollar. And how are they going to treat Bitcoin? Because once they have a crypto, then they are going to start um, adhering to the constitutional mandate that the government should coin. Right. I think the guy, I think that it's limited and they, they consider fiat to be part of that mandate, which of course I think it violates, but, but any other entity minting coin, Bitcoin or whatever clearly violates, you know, is it's not a government minting coin and they could stand in the way. It's like they kept all gypsy cabs out of New York, but then all of a sudden Uber, oh, we couldn't stop it. Like the hell you couldn't, you definitely could. And they never stopped Bitcoin, even though they could have said it's a competing currency and it's not permitted. I mean, Ron Paul's been asking for a competing currency since the beginning. Just give the dollar competition. You let allow us to use gold. And it would destroy fiat. But anyway, so I think that the real question is, how are they going to treat Bitcoin? Are are they going to ban it, regulate it? The There's an old adage, to tax is to destroy. And I would add, to regulate is to tax. Yeah. And this is just another example of fear, uncertainty being driven perhaps by government forces and powers and government public-private partnerships and the wealthiest people in the world. Everybody else gets afraid. They sell off. They panic. They wait. They buy and they regulate. And they also point to all the volatility that they very well may have triggered, in a sense, and then say, we need to step in and regulate because this is just too dangerous for you people. Absolutely. And I thought that that whole Robin Hood thing where they bid something wildly up, 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 people got rich and then it absolutely crashed. I believe that 
I think I think it was GameStop. I think that that was all orchestrated. I don't think that was organic, and I think it was to spur regulation. Sometimes they don't take a black swan event and plug it in immediately, but only later. And actually, the my I've got a DeSantis, another deep dive on DeSantis in the XR, where that idea of having a black black swan to promote a policy agenda is clearly in the forefront of my story in the X-Men. Yeah, Black Swan event, that's like a rare event that nobody anticipates, is that correct? Something yes, like that? and then often Except for people who created, I guess. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. But they they do Yeah, Black Swan event is something that basically never happens, so it's not anticipated by laws and stuff. And I would say because our laws, the real foundational law is you know, been emerging for thousands of years, there's really no black swan event in a category of its own. It's it's just and it's not enough to change fundamental law in anticipation of yet another one of that exact same thing. Never happened before. It's either it's probably dealt with. It's like terrorism is not something out of nowhere. It's they're they're pirates. Right. So anyway, Kat. Yeah. Well, the crypto threat seems to be in their radar that they're targeting. Now, the cyber threat has come onto their radar. Now, it hasn't come onto their radar just now. Obviously, we mentioned last week how one of the threat assessments reports that was released for 2022 list the, this was on the Council on Foreign Relations site, list cyber attacks as one of the top threats to worry about in 2022. And here we go already. The Department of Homeland Security with 100,000 Russian troops poised at the Ukraine border, they have issued a warning saying that Russia could conduct a cyber attack against the United States if it feels threatened by further actions the U.S. takes in response to Russia's possible invasion of Ukraine. And according to this DHS bulletin that they sent to law enforcement around the country, they say that Russia will consider a cyber attack if a U.S. or NATO response to a possible Russian invasion of Ukraine threatened its long-term national security and that Russia maintains a range of offensive cyber tools that it could use against U.S. networks from low-level denial of service attacks to destructive attacks targeting critical infrastructure. So wait, what was the thing that would trigger it? What was the beginning of that? What would trigger it is if is if it our response to their possible invasion of Ukraine would threaten its long-term national security, Russia's long-term national security. So if in Russia's assessment, our <sighs> response would threaten their you know, long-term national security, it's all real strange in the wording. The interesting, really interesting part about it to me is the DHS indicated in their assessment here that Russia's threshold for conducting disruptive attacks or cyber attacks in the homeland is very high and that officials have not observed Moscow. They have not observed Moscow directly employing these types of cyber attacks against U.S. critical infrastructure. So they haven't actually observed specific instances. This is a vague assessment, kind of like the way that they are assessing the domestic terrorism actions, where they're not identifying specific actions, but they are saying vague talk that doesn't necessarily rise to criminal level is leading, triggering investigations. Do you remember, I know you do, but let us recall together, 
from like 2016, I think it was, where Obama, I mean, they just slipped this in there. It was in the mainstream news. It was clearly happening that they put a, um, a, 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 a digital landmine in yeah. something in Russia. Like if yeah, they do to hold something them hostage. To remember? Oh, so what? Tell me what it was. Yeah, they put this. They put these digital landmines. I can't. I think that's the way Obama described it. On, I think Russia's critical infrastructure. It, may, it might have been Iran. Iran. I think it was Iran. Or Iran. Okay. No, it was, it was Russia. Russia. It was a poison pill. I think he called it. Yeah, it and basically they could hold the infrastructure hostage because they could just flip the grid off in an instant. Oh, is that what it was? No, that was Iran. That yeah, was that's the one I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the one where Obama said, we put a poison pill in Russia and we can activate it if they do anything wrong. And we're oh, like, I don't remember what? that one. I mean, I, I believe yeah, you. It, we, I, I remember talking to you about it. it was done, yeah. But it was at least five years ago. I mean, yeah. it was obviously when Obama was president. And I, I feel like it's one of those things we're, we're never going to find because it was just in that we, we read it. We read it again. And it like just people were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's normal. Right. It's like, mm, that doesn't sound normal to me. Yeah, he says it normal, so it makes it seem normal. But this oh, just sounds that. like pre-crime to me. So the, the domestic terrorism strategy where they rely on vague findings, nothing specific that rise to criminal level of activity, basically amounts to a pre-crime program. And it seems like a same standard here where it's, we have a vague idea that maybe they'll attack. So we're going to go ahead and uh, put, the, put the word out there and start taking actions ourselves. Right. And I um, just as a little follow on to what's been going on over there, I had an alert a grant, I think it was from locals said, called my attention to this connection between Afghanistan and Ukraine, which I hadn't, hadn't even thought about. And then it's that biter meinhof syndrome, whatever, where you hear something and all of a sudden you hear it everywhere. Right on, I think maybe even have been on Fox, where they were talking about how Biden created a disaster leaving Afghanistan and left Americans behind. And this time they're just saying, actually, a tweet, uh, Amanda said, yeah, like, and this time they're just telling them they're on their own get out don't be in ukraine which isn't the same as rescuing them and taking them out of there so i think that and of course these things are in the works for a very very long time so i think their strategy on ukraine as er earlier from before trump was impeached i think they kind of knew what they were going to do and then so so the afghanistan thing was after that and they could very well have set that whole debacle up so that if it starts happening again in Ukraine or if it threatens to happen again in Ukraine, it will give us that excuse or the war party, you know, the new war party it used to be the peace party, the excuse as if it's defensive, which is not new, like putting human be uh, Americans in harm's way in order to use it as a tripwire to spark a broader initiative, which was like almost the identical example used in the tripwire clip that you played for us in the Rockman video, that they do that on purpose. And so if they've got 15,000 Americans in Ukraine, first of all, we have no business being in other countries. And if we are, it is absolutely at your own risk. Absolutely. You cannot expect the U.S. to have any kind of law enforcement capabilities on foreign soil. If you're there, you are a, a, you're a guest in somebody else's property and you have to take your chances. But they may, well, I think they're gearing up to use the Afghanistan thing as an object lesson to justify escalation and aggression, almost like we don't leave Americans behind and we'll kill every last American just to get those guys out. You know, <laughs> like yeah. we'll start World War Three just to get those 
people out. You know, it's like how many people died in the Middle East after 9-11 compared to how many people died on 9-11? How yeah. many Americans died after 9-11? I mean, yeah, not talking about point. like the millions of Middle Easterners. They always had their moral justifications to give them the high ground. Oh, and by the way, the president of Croatia, who claims to have supported Biden along the way, Croatia, unbelievably, is a member of NATO. And they said, the U.S. is instigating this and we are not going to participate. This is at the same time that the U.S. is saying that every 30 people, 30 members of NATO, shoulder to shoulder, there's no dissension. Like, I highly doubt Turkey is completely on board with this either. Yeah. Well, I'm also not too on board with it. And something else that I'm not on board with is a move made today by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. They have announced that they are limiting the use of two monoclonal antibody treatments that they say are believed to be ineffective against the Omicron variant. The two brands they are limiting the use of are the Eli Lilly and Regeneron treatments, which are now no longer permitted for use in any U.S. district. This treatment, which according to a lot of people was very effective against the Delta variant, you can't get it anymore in any U.S. district because they say it's believed to be ineffective against Omicron. It is here where I will remind you that an Israeli study found last week or the week before that the Pfizer and Moderna booster shots are not effective against the Omicron variant. I don't see them pulling back on use of the vaccine. Yeah, I noticed a lot of really strange things in that story. First of all, I my brother got monoclonal antibodies and he made an amazing recovery. So I was all for those. I thought that was absolutely a great way to work. Actually, immediately went to donate my blood because I had the antibodies and I thought that they were deriving them from the antibodies in people's blood. I think they were. Uh, so I was a big fan of those. And uh, I thought a couple of things that were weird about it was that they said, yes, they didn't want to risk side effects, of which I don't know of any. There might be, but I don't know of any. They don't want to risk side effects when it's not clearly effective, which would fly in the face of absolutely everything else they're doing. They're allowing things that are super risky and using on people who don't like 12 year olds who don't even get COVID. So there's no advantage and there are known side effects, but they, they didn't pull it for that reason. No, absolutely not. They push it, in fact. Yeah. So there's a couple of other things that I noticed. First of all, they ob obviously pull anything out that really, truly just works. <laughs> you know, they, the, the stuff that actually works, they take away. And the stuff that's super scary, like remdesivir, they don't. They are also saying now yet another um, coincidence with AIDS that that horrible Merck and soon to be Pfizer drugs that are treatments, they need to be used like in cocktails. You have to do more than one of these crazy expensive drugs because they probably because they don't work. But that was very AIDS like they give you a whole bunch of drugs and those things. Oh, my gosh. Like, ugh, whatever. Uh, Rick, look up why Rick Bright had to step down. He, it was regarding those class of drugs. And another thing that was weird is that they said that. So I noticed this story because Florida made a big deal of having to shut down their monoclonal antibody sites. Did you happen to notice that in the context yeah. of Florida? That's probably where you saw this. So for whatever reason, it was just in the context of Florida. Then I noticed deep down in an article, it said that the FDA may consider having emergency use authorization for this by region. 
Well, yeah, and also by Regis, I didn't see that part of it. What I saw was there might be exceptions if they can be pres- they can be prescribed only when a patient is likely to have contracted a variant that's responsive to the treatment. Which currently they're not testing the different I mean, variants. Yeah, that's a little obscure. But I thought the fact that they were going to regionalize it was really weird. So they have a federal oversight thing that. So why not just leave it up to the states at that point? Yeah, the other angle of that tells me that they're going to start testing for variants. There's going to be some sort of test release yep. that yeah, will determine that right. different variants. Now I want you to tell me what's wrong with this sentence here related to this because they did release a, another study where they said. A pair of manufacturer-backed lab studies suggest that a third dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine formation provokes enough antibodies to fight off the Omicron variant. This is, you know, contrary to the Israeli study. What's wrong with that sentence? Well, it's BioNTech. (laughs) Well, not the way I said it. What's wrong with the content of the sentence? I'm sorry. That was just too easy. Um I don't know. Did they? Is it worded in a way that? No, I'm going to tell you the exact. A pair of manufacturer-backed lab studies. Oh, (laughs) but aren't all studies manufacturer-backed? Like I don't think anybody does the studies except for the manufacturers in this country. But maybe in Israel they do. I don't think the one is. Maybe I'm wrong. So Israel's probably not manufacturer-backed. Right. Is that what you're thinking? That's what I'm that's what I'm thinking. But just because that that's a big criticism of the FDA is that it's entirely based on reports, not even necessarily observed studies, but just the reports of studies reported by those. Right. (laughs) So you don't even know if they did the studies. (laughs) But I thought it was weird that this came out in the context of Florida and DeSantis is all up in arms about it. And he has that that. Um, Surgeon General, who I think I like so far. And I I just had to repeat this. I I saw this tweet. So the article I was reading showed a tweet of a guy who was is like a CDC guy or something like that or used to be. It's a guy named Ian Smith, I think his name was. Ian Sams. Ian Sams. And he tweets, why is Governor DeSantis more interested in promoting medicines that don't work than urging people to take vaccines that do. <laughs> so I had to click through on that tweet for one reason and one reason only. Could you imagine what that thread was going to look like? I was absolutely confident that not one comment under that thread would be like, big snaps, Ian, big snaps. It was just like, what the hell are you talking about? They do work. That doesn't work. Can you give us some studies? Blah, blah, blah. So it was funny. I put the link to the tweet down below. a bunch of blue below. check marks. Well, he had a blue check mark. The rest of the people who were speaking truth to power did not have a blue check mark. So I just knew his tweet was going to get slammed in the comments section. The Israeli studies are done by Sheba Hospital. Nice. Interesting. Now, hospitals, when we I that interview I did with Dr. Hirshhorn, he mentioned that the hospitals here anyway are highly beholden to the universities or the Pharma, which are one and the same, in my opinion. But anyway, there's more on this tomorrow. Have even more crazy. I mean, the COVID stuff just keeps on coming. But now it's time for us to go on to our deepest dive of the day, where we get to the bottom of the agenda being served by the, quote, immigration crisis. But before we get to that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the 
XR. I'm going to do that little bit of a deep dive on DeSantis. And I want to tell you about the 12 monkeys or 100 monkeys that (laughs) have made the news. Looks like a psyop to me. And Binkley, you're going to tell us who is the least corrupt nation in the world, the least corrupt nation in the world on a scale of high corruption. (laughs) It probably you can probably be pretty corrupt and still be the least corrupt. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We can talk about that in the XR. But before that, I would like to bring you a word from. Uh, one of our sponsors who brings us this message out of uh, a labor of love and the goodness of her heart. We are excited to bring this extended shout out to you from Molly. She's a patron saint and a big fan of the show, and she has a very important message she'd like to get out there. Molly wants people to know that there's a toxic heavy metal called gadolinium in the contrast injection you get when you get an MRI. And some people have a devastating reaction to it. You can find out more about that by looking into the experience of Chuck Norris and his wife, Gina, who, like Molly, are trying to raise awareness of this serious issue. Gadolinium is a rare earth mineral that's not found isolated in nature. Yet because of MRIs, it's now in our environment and can accumulate in our bodies. The long-term effects of using this heavy metal in the millions of MRIs that are done every year are not yet known. Molly just wants people to know the risks involved in getting this injection and to learn more about the possible impact this practice may have on us all. Knowledge is power, so learn more about gadolinium in MRIs at Molly's website, www.mrs.com mridie.com that's www.mridie.com and i want to tell you about the next zoom party on our for our patron saints so the way we do it is if you are a patron saint you can participate in the party and if you're a patron you get an excerpt from it so we had uh, sometimes we do requests and the last one was internet privacy which was fantastic that's going to come out soon So if you become a patron, you'll be able to access that and the past ones. And then the other one is someone asked us to do something on mental health. And this is an issue that is really affecting a lot of young people right now. The COVID thing has really um, spurred what I think is the mental health industry, the troubled teens industry, people across the board. I mean, I think we read that study where more than 50% of white liberal women why they picked that demographic, I don't know, have been diagnosed with mental health issues. And I think it's, it would be really great for us to talk about if you, you know, what you've been observing and uh, what you think the causes are. And most important, how you can help or keep your mental health in line and also how you can help people you know who you think might be struggling. So we had somebody offer to as a mental health professional, help us with that. And I'm going to ask if you are a mental health professional, and even if you're not a patron, whatever, but you want to participate in that, we would absolutely love to have you. So please email me at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to become a patron and see those excerpts or a patron saint and be part of them or come to our disappearing patron parties or participate in our patron only Q and A's go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. Check out our tiers there and forget about if you want to be a Rockfin subscriber. Also, we basically give you the patron saint portion of the, uh, you basically get Rockfin free if you're a patron saint. We just basically take off how much it costs to join Rockfin. So check that out at patreon.com slash propaganda report. Thank you. 
And now on to our deepest dive of the day. I didn't expect there to be a there there quite to the extent I found it. So lately, I've been, I did a few deep dives on the Ukraine thing. I got to get to Larry Fink's letter. But this Kamala Harris visiting Honduras, I wanted to do a deep dive on that. It was a few days ago. But some of these, just there's just too much news. I can't dig deep on more than one thing on, on a day. Just we don't have the time. But she was in Honduras celebrating the ascension of, I guess, the first female president, whatever. Who cares? So then they threw in about the immigration crisis and how we need to address the root causes. We need to address the root causes. And I have always thought we need to address the root causes. Absolutely. hundred percent to the point where I wrote a, an article that boy, did I get flack from left and right or whatever left and right of the libertarian you know, sphere. I wrote this thing I put in the show notes called the immigration libertarian immigration conundrum. And my point is that if you don't live in a free society, just free immigration is almost like water flowing. It's just you have 7 billion people and we happen to be living on the largesse of a formerly free society, which is no longer free. But if you're richer, you're going to get 7 billion people coming over, especially if you have welfare and stuff like that. So it's a problem. And you have to look at what, why is it a problem for us and why are they doing it in the first place? So my first reaction here was, they are going to, maybe they'll identify some of the root causes, but in any case, they're going to get the answers wrong and they'll probably use it as an excuse to promote aid. So I'm going to get to that punchline in a second. That's the uh, wow, aha moment. But I do want to point out that what they do is they they uh, attack other countries militarily, economically, politically, through trade barriers, through a lot of things that prevent or or preferential trade treatment to someplace like China, which long had the most favored nation trading status, whereas like Vietnam did not. So when you interfere with other people's ability to trade, and we do that quite a bit because we want to manipulate their policies and we give and take that kind of thing um, to open our markets up to them. When you do that, they don't have the same opportunities there. If you had a, you could have So then the next thing that you could do is you could have the right to work and travel, free open borders here, if you didn't tie that right to citizenship and voting, because that's why people get up in arms about people coming over. Why do they have to be citizens? And and then once they come over, if they're illegal, they're not going to risk leaving because if you have border security, they're not going to be able to come back. So then you've completely trapped them here. And the voting thing, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having voting standards like standards of being president. The president isn't supposed to be so all-powerful anyway, but it is reasonable to think that a 35-year-old who was born and raised in this country probably has a grasp on what is actually the fundamental principle of this country and the source of its former glory. So you don't have to have such powerful voting. You don't have to give them the right to vote. That's the You have the right to work and travel, but not the right to vote. And then when you have welfare, minimum wage and all that, it puts a price floor on wages for the people who are here. So they won't take those low-level jobs. They could go out and get stimmy checks or welfare, or they're not allowed to because of minimum wage. So then you have this black market for labor that attracts all these people. Or you have goodies, like you have welfare, this human rights industry that'll get people who we sanction. So illegal immigrants are actually better. It's the legal ones that we bring over and we give them welfare out of the gate. It's not cool. And people get upset about it because they see 
foreigners coming over the border, if they're in, in interior states, they absolutely do not like it. Um, in part because you can't, if, if you're xenophobic, well then fine, have your bar and don't let anybody in who wasn't born in this country or don't let them into your, um, your, your neighborhood, but you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. So what they do is they push their xenophobia to the borders of the nation and that you don't need that. You can, whatever. So there's a lot of stuff going on there. I have wrote an extensive and I thought very well-written article on it that I'll put in the show notes, but those are the answers. The causes and the answers is that it disparity in economic opportunity and a lot of barriers to free trade, um, the right to travel, the right to wear, all of that stuff. Because people don't want to leave their cultural homeland for the most part. When when you do want to do that, it's for usually a profound reason. And we promote those profound reasons, which is bad. Okay. So then I look into it. And so in some, liberty and respect for national sovereignty is the answer. Uh, I see... First thing that comes up, because I kept hearing them say the root causes of immigration. So I Googled that. First thing that comes up is a White House thing, strategy paper from July. Uh, it, it talks specifically about the Golden Triangle, which to me sounds like a Thai brothel. But Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala is the place. And gee, are we too far over? Should I... Super hyper tease till tomorrow and give you the punchline tomorrow, or can I squeeze it in? I'll try to make it. I think you can squeeze it in. Okay. So, so they put out this extensive executive order in July, and I thought they are really putting all the pieces in place to be regional hegemon. Are they going to build factories, destroy traditional lifestyles? Like, what is on their agenda here? And I remember thinking when Trump was wrongly accused of doing quid pro quo with Ukraine at the same time, he was doing a quid pro quo with these countries who had become dependent on our aid. And he wanted them to change their immigration policy and was withholding aid. I think what one of the specifics was that he wanted to build camps on their property that you probably couldn't get away with here. So the strategy, they have a five pillar strategy for the root causes, of course, of course, right? Uh, I'm going to read them backwards. Pillar five, combating sexual, gender-based, and domestic violence. Okay. Countering, like the guy who's doing my lawn is not here for that reason. Countering and preventing violence, extortion, and other crimes perpetrated by gangs, trafficking networks, other organized criminal organizations. All you have to do is stop the drug war. You don't have that problem. Just don't have black markets for anything, and there won't be black market profits or black market enforcement mechanisms. Promoting respect for human rights, labor rights, and free press. Yes, start here. And um, these are the last two, which are the first two, are the, where the money is. Combating corruption, strengthening democratic governance, and advancing the rule of law. I learned this. First of all, when you give aid, which is coming in the next one, when you give aid, you corruption is why you're giving aid. You're literally giving aid to bribe people to do the policies that you want. You're bribing political organizations to adopt your policies or you're giving money to the political underdog you want, who you know you can own. I hate that stuff. Don't want aid. You will increase corruption. And I noticed in Ukraine, the anti-corruption task force was about attacking oligarchs or others who disagreed with the Western agenda over there. So you could have two equally corrupt oligarchs or two equally corrupt prosecutors, but the one that 
you don't want is the one that you go after for those crimes that you probably entrapped them into committing. Or all oligarchs basically have corruption on their resume. And that's, I think, how they take them out and then they take their money. So the anti-corruption thing I have been against for a long time. And then the last one, the big one, this is where the punchline is. Pillar one, addressing economic insecurity and inequality, including vaccines and to deal with climate change. So that had my mind. And then it said, uh, and soliciting private participation. So it should have been the punchline just to be the vaccines and the climate change stuff. But in that same sentence, it says, we're going to call in private entities to help us with this, to increase investment and yada, yada. And the name of it, they said, we're, we're under the, the title, the partnership for Central America. So in my notes, I wrote, Oh, call in the globalists. Have you heard of the partnership for Central America? I haven't, but I know that there is that meeting that's the meeting of Americas that's happening in Los Angeles. Yes, the Organization of American States. Yes, right. But this is, oh, partnership for Central America. This is just Central America. Okay. So like, all right, let me look up. (laughs) Partnership for Central America. Of all the years I've been doing this, I can't believe my jaw can still drop. First face I see, a guy looks a little bit perturbed. Uh... Black hair, maybe even a beard, and a turban. Who do you think I was looking at? The CEO of MasterCard? <laughs> yes. Yes. <Was> yes. <laughs> yes, it was. That's interesting. Ajay Banga. Yes, yeah, it was. What did MasterCard do yesterday? Oh, MasterCard entered in some partnership, I think, with Coinbase or one of the crypto platforms oh, just yesterday. That's why that guy last. was on my mind. Then it's definitely going to last. Okay, that was a guy who is really vehement and nasty at one of those World Economic yeah. Forum Zoom calls saying, if you don't get on board, you're going to be left behind or like strong-arming people. Like he was serious about oh, strong-arming yeah. people. Okay, so then I start looking at this board. It's, then it goes to Borg Brenda the president of the World Economic Forum, Ray Chambers, the World Health Organization for Global Strategy and Health Financing, Nespresso, for some weird reason, a bunch of people from Nespresso, and I think George Clooney does Nespresso commercials, Brad Smith, the president of Microsoft, and, wait for it, this is the board of the Partnership for Central America, our friend Klaus Anal Schwab, the chairman of the World Economic Forum. Well, you were telling me that stuff, and I'm sitting there going, this sounds like Great Reset language. (laughs) It sounds like what they say in the Great Reset. So this And the end agenda 2030. But it's just... It's just crazy because I didn't even, I had no, I chose this for the deep dive before I found that at the bottom of this rabbit hole was in fact the top of a mountain in Switzerland. And I know it was a long one, but... Man. <laughs> very interesting. Was it very interesting? It Sometimes was. It, I it's wonder. always interesting to see how these same forces seem to be behind yes. all of these plans. Free falling down that rabbit hole. But it makes it look a lot more like Biden is way more in bed with those guys than Trump ever was. Well, Biden w- repeats their words verbatim and then yeah. calls them his own. So he is a puppet. Yeah, it is pretty. Uh, yeah, that's and that's not just the build back better. There's other stuff, too. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps it up. Oh, unless we got any shout outs or anything. just a real quick one, of course, to the matron saint, mommy. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. 
Oh my gosh, your Donald Trump thing. We got to send that back to her when you did, or was it your friend who did Donald Trump? My friend did a Donald Trump impersonation and we wished your mama a happy 90th you, can birthday. You, can you send that back to me so I can resend it to him? I'll have to find it, but I'm sure I we have find it. It was yeah. so good and she was just tickled, tickled. Oh my yeah. gosh, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> He so does a very cute. good impersonation. So cute. Uh, okay, so just, uh, there's a higher side chat Meetup on January 28th in Nashville, and there's a higher side chat tinfoil hats meetup on January 28th, which is Friday, same same January 28th, but it's at 10 p.m., so this old lady right here, this old lady ain't going, although I would have, but it's an hour each way. It ends at 2 a.m. I'm not driving home at 2 a.m., and I'm not, not drinking, so... It's 5 a.m., our time here on the East. Yeah, you got, maybe you can pull an all-nighter with them virtually. <laughs> I mean, if you will do that, well, you it might do that, so I'm time. not doing it. Anyway, just telling people, go to the Higher Side Chats. See, it's not their regular website. It's HigherSideMeetups.com slash events. All right, fantastic. Thank you, Monica, for your news and insights. Thank you all for listening. You can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we are telling you about, you can go to propreport.locals.com, patreon.com slash report, and rockfin.com slash report. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Or in the DMBXR. Have a fantastic share of the show Tuesday.